from Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Andy from Miles Franklin. Andy, it's really nice to have you on. Good to be here, Brad. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So to kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself and your company and what you guys are up to? Yeah, I guess you could say that I'm perhaps one of the two most unlikely cast of characters to have ridden a a precious metals company from its origins in a one-room office the size of a closet to crossing the Rubicon of $9 billion in sales without a customer complaint almost 34 years later, much of which has been a blur. But we've been doing this since 1989, and on a wing and a prayer, somehow had fingertips strong enough to hang on through the lean years to to make some really good friendships and relationships along the way that, uh, with their help, uh, allowed me to get to where we are today, a place that I'm incredibly proud of, a, a company that I'm very proud of, a reputation that we're very proud of. And you look back on it and you wonder what were the things that made it work, and and so I'm, I'm interested in chat, chatting with you because I really haven't gone down this road very often. Just to say to you that somehow, by the grace of God, a lot of hard work and some luck along the way, we here we are, 34 years later, having done nine billion in sales, never having a complaint, not being one of only 27 companies that have been appointed as authorized resellers by the U.S. Mint honors and distinctions that I literally can't believe that we've achieved and somehow we did. So uh, I guess miracles in the American dream do happen and is real. And if you work hard enough, you can achieve your dreams. I love that. So for the listeners out there, my understanding is that your product is you sell precious metals to people, businesses, whoever wants to buy them. And you have a unique way in marketing. I, I think you were telling me a bit about your utilizing kind of an influencer strategy and YouTube and all that. Tell me about that, how that works and to what extent you can share and what extent you can't, no worries, but just love to hear more about the strategy. We, I've been doing this. I started this company long before the internet, uh, before you were born, before the internet, before my daughter, my first daughter was born the day Facebook came out in 2004. And when you talk about the way things used to go. We used to write a newsletter. It started out quarterly and then it went to monthly and then it went to weekly and then it went to daily. And there was, there is a website that anyone who owns precious metals owns a debt of gratitude to, to the folks who started that website, Bill Murphy and Chris Powell. And the website was called, is called La Metropole Cafe. And, and these guys started GATA, the Golden Antitrust Action Committee, which has done a great job for 25 years in in shining a light upon the market manipulation that we find in precious metals. All of it um, documented elegantly um, and and articulately in terms of its evidence and whatnot. And and the writers that came up on this on this uh, platform were some that that I befriended, and they helped write our newsletter. And we worked out relationships with these writers. And I realized that here again, you can't do everything yourself. And if you 
have the good fortune of a good reputation and friendships that you've made over what is three and a half decades now, then you have the ability to leverage your efforts and make things mutually beneficial for myself and my company, for the people whom we're working with in terms of the the writers at this time and the people they're writing to, their current base, our current base, everyone wins in this. The, the clients get a great price and get more information than they otherwise would. And the influencer at the time, the writer, if you would, received compensation in different ways for his or her writing efforts. And we then were able to have a broader message to to the public and to our readers, not just our take on it, but what other folks were writing. And that kind of morphed its way into YouTube. When YouTube became more of a thing, or at least I noticed it much more of a thing in 2019, I had already made a lot of friends in that space as well, just through being at conferences and being there, hanging on, having strong fingertips, being around long enough to develop a good reputation, to meet people, develop relationships. And I guess if I were going to give any new person advice, it would be get the hell off your phone, stop texting, stop emailing, make a phone call. So I, I don't mean get off your phone, stop texting, stop emailing, use it for what it was originally used for, to talk, to make relationships, to have communication with people. It's amazing how far you can get when someone actually speaks to you. And I think that's something that's lost on a lot of people these days, but that's something that I've been good at, making friends, building relationships. And it worked when we were writing and it works now with the almost 90 YouTube affiliates and, and financial advisory affiliates that we have around the country, where if you can, in, in many ways, show mutual beneficial, um, relationship or, or or show how a relationship has mutual beneficial qualities to it, not just one-sided. And in this case, it's three-sided. It, it's to the influencer, it's to our company, and it's to the end user who's taking the information. And if we can make it work so everybody wins, it's a great model. And it's something that we've really honed in on and really, I think, refined and protected. And it all boils down to one thing. It, it boils down to relationships, to honor, to your word, and to when given an opportunity to make the most of it. Some people say, you're lucky. No, no, I'm not lucky. It's when opportunity meets preparation, just like they say. That is luck. It's when you're prepared and you have the opportunity to capitalize on all your preparation and all your integrity and all of your honesty on all of the sweat and tears and blood that you put into getting to where you are when you get that opportunity, do you trip over yourself? Do you drool over yourself or do you make the most of it? And that's something that I think has helped is that, and it's hard even after 30 plus years to realize that you're at that point that, hey, I'm just a normal guy, but your reputation helps you maybe have a, an image that is even bigger than you think when you get that far. And, and that comes by doing things the right way. So anyways, it's through communication, it's through friendships, it's through relationships, it's through honoring your word, it's for finding deals that are mutually beneficial and not one-sided. And it's turned out to be a darn good model for all involved, including the people who are at the other end of it, who are purchasing the metals for themselves. I love that. So just to summarize that, it sounds like you've built these relationships with 90 people in the precious metal space, and they could be influencers on YouTube or have some kind of a platform or an audience. 
And then you have an affiliate agreement in place with them where they talk about the company, the products, whatever style that is. And then you essentially, it's mutually beneficial to both the company and to them. And you've built that relationship with them and fostered and all that. Am I getting that all right? There are a lot of people who just want you to take care of their listeners or their clients and respectfully say, we're not interested in monetizing our efforts. And monetizing the efforts only work if, the, if you were able to deliver quality service and a quality product and don't mess it up. Yes, it's, it is a mutually beneficial deal where, sure, I believe these people who are working long, hard hours and putting their face out in front of the public and working hard and trusting us with their information and sharing information for free to the public, they do deserve to monetize it. And so I'm honored to have the privilege in many cases of working with these people, not only giving their listeners or their readers or their subscribers as close to the best price in, in the country as humanly possible, in many cases it is, but also allowing a little piece of that to go back to these people to help monetize the efforts really where, whereby they're changing people's lives. And I, I think that one of the things that I'm very ardent upon, especially in this space, is the concept of hard work and great intentions do not have to be mutually ex exclusive with capitalistic ideas. You can make money to put on put food on the table for your family and build a life for your family and still really want to take care of people, to, to provide information, to do the right thing. But let's be honest, look at what inflation has done. I was at the grocery store this morning picking some stuff up. And I got two little bags, it was $78. And I'm like, geez, it's just insane. Where, it's like, how did that happen? Everything that I would run past the scanner doing it myself and the individual checkout, 10 items or less, $6.99, $8.99, $7.99, dollars Everything was like inflated. The cost of living is going up and the effort that these people are putting into educating the public is going up. So it's our way of monetizing it but at the same time, respecting what they're doing. And because you can have a great deal with someone if you blow it by giving poor service or poor pricing or don't deliver, over deliver, then it doesn't end well. So we're proud of the way we've refined it, but I'm also proud to be associated with every single one of these people. It's not just shotgun style. They're all, they've all been selected we've chosen to work with these people and we're honored to do so but yeah it's been a great recipe for success and it all boils down to friendship and keeping your word and that's the key to our business model 100 percent. absolutely and then you originally built these relationships like offline with them like you'd see them at industry events or whatnot get their contact info and then just keep chatting and build a friendship yeah, in many cases, I've worked with people that they worked with before. Guys like David Morgan, who's been a good friend of mine for 20 years, has also paid it forward and mentored a lot of people in this industry. And like Maurice Jackson, who now is a representative of my company, introduced was introduced to me through David Morgan. Many people like that, where I worked with uh, Rick Rule and his firm, even before he was the CEO of Sprott, he was the, the CEO of Global Resource Investment then Sprott, and now he's doing his own thing, a rural media investment. And, and I've worked with the brokers along the way from Sprott, many of which will become dear friends of mine. That's what I mean. It's if you've been doing this long enough, it can stick around long enough and make relationships. Be personal. Don't be impersonal. It doesn't always have to be with an email. It can be with a phone call. Sometimes my wife says, aren't you just tired of talking after talking all day? But 
No, because that's how you that's how you get someone. It's how someone knows you're sincere. You hear it in your voice. Emails and texts can misconstrue things completely 180 degrees from what you meant them to, to be. And so these are things that seem to be lost nowadays in, in much of the way people communicate. So yes, almost all of these relationships were done or fostered or nurtured offline. In the world we live in now, sure, I do podcasts with guys in Germany and and whatnot, and Mario Neko 64, Maneko 64 in the United Kingdom. I'd love to play golf with him. He's a big golfer. I live on a golf course in Florida. Never had the opportunity to do it, just been this way over Zoom, yet I feel like I know him very well. We have lots of conversations when the camera's not recording. But here again, it boils down to the same thing, relationships, communication, eye to eye, and honoring your word. And it's really a very simple process. You know, you just do as you say, you over-deliver, and you be accessible and accountable. And um, say you're sorry when you made a mistake, accept responsibility and make it right. That's another key to success, is accepting accountability, being there when there's a mistake, and double down on your integrity and on your efforts when there is, and make it right. Little things that really shouldn't be so difficult to understand, if you're a waiter or a waitress and you're you're pouring water for a dignitary and you spill a little water on their leg. What are you going to do? You're going to brush it off? Or you're going to do everything you can to show that you're sincere and you're sorry and you'll make it right, including buying them a cup of coffee and dessert or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's a stupid analogy, but the point is the same. You just over-deliver. And that's been one of the things that we've done as a small company that started really on a wing and a prayer and has done over $9 billion in sales somehow. There's no magic secret. It's just accountability, accessibility, and hard work and being there and making relationships. These are the things that can any business that you start, you will, I think, uh, be amazed if you just put yourself out there a little bit and say hello to someone rather than sending them an email and, and how far it really goes. Absolutely. Is there anything you wish you would have known, like when you were much younger before you even became a CEO, that you? For sure, no, now, and you'd go back and give your younger self some piece of advice of, hey, for sure, you need to know this or that. I'm a little bit of a, I'm different. Uh, my company is different. I started this company. The people that work for me, almost all of them are my friends. Man, many of them I go back to childhood with. I, I would say overall, 97% of it has been a really wonderful experience. These are people who, I would walk across the country for to help almost every one of them, independent of any business. These were people that I played Little League with that I slept over at their house and vice versa. These were my childhood friends, most of the people who worked for me. And so it's a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different environment in terms of what I know. And I wouldn't change it. People say you shouldn't work with your friends. Actually, it's been a delightful thing and a very rewarding thing to help my friends and, and for them to help me. Uh, these are, are almost entirely people that I would be friends with independent of business or was, have been my whole life. So I guess I would simply say the only thing that I would say is that good intentions aren't good enough. I think you have to, even though you think Things were clearly defined in black and white. It's always very important 
even though you want to do the right thing to make sure everything is documented properly, to take the steps to never take for, for granted that you are seeing things the same way that someone else is. And so and the, the other thing that I would say is that it's also really important to have constant communication. Again, coming back to communication, because we live in a fragmented society right now where people are remote. Everyone's looking into a computer screen. Just to take a few minutes to say, how is everything? Is everything going all right? What kind of, what's going on? Are there problems? Anything I need to know about? Those kinds of things to me are really very important. And for most of my career were overlooked. And fortunately, the people, 99% of them that I've worked with, this hasn't been an issue, but I guess the one small thing that I do wish I would have done a better job of is to really be regimented in my documentation of everything, protocol, contracts, notes from meetings, everything that you want to do or you think is understood or that you've talked about is to find some sort of, of a way to communicate it, to, to memorialize it to create manuals and, and memos for everyone to see and keep some sort of archive. And once we started doing that, any and all ambiguity just went away and it made for a much smoother, smoother deal for everyone. Because you may think that someone sees something exactly the way you do and you're sure of it, only to find out that no, that's really not the case. And that can create problems and it can fester. So, I guess the only thing that I would have told myself is that all of the optimism and zeal and zest and passion and fire to build a business has to sometimes be tempered to take a time and make sure you memorialize everything that you're doing along the way, throw breadcrumbs along the way. So you don't look back and wonder how the hell did I get here? And now what? Yeah, for sure. Andy, on that note, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for uh, joining here today and sharing all your insights on this podcast. Pleasure is mine. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And if you ever want to chat again, give a ring. Absolutely.